All right. Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to transition in and get ready for today's word. So good to see you guys. We're going to make our way back to our seats. Praise God. Listen, um, we've got uh, great folks with us today. Uh, as you know them, Pastors Fred and Valerie Bennett from Memphis, uh, Tennessee. They, yeah, yeah. They serve as uh, part of our outside elder team, and they, uh, they're I'm going on, let's see, 28 years now. I've uh, been under their leadership and ministry and relationship with them now. Uh, in their, under their leadership, I, I accepted the call to ministry. Uh, they laid hands on me and ordained me, uh, me and Haley, for, for the purpose of ministry uh, years ago. And uh, Haley and I are going on 21 years of marriage and 21 years of ministry, and they've been with us uh, every step of the way, uh, offering wisdom, uh, accountability, support, uh, prayers, uh, most definitely. Uh, every time I talk to them, they say, we pray for you every single morning. Uh, and I tell you, thankful for, for pastors who pray for people. I know we pray for you as our church, but it's nice to also as a pastor to have pastors pray for, for us too. And, uh, and so, uh, so thankful for their, their relationship and uh, their, just their, uh, what God has used them for over the many years of ministry and, and how he uses them here in our church uh, in this day and time. They were with us back in September as our church celebrated 40 years uh, back in the fall. Uh, they seem to be here at just the right time, and they're here today. We, we scheduled this many months ago as we were talking about the new year, and the Lord knew what, what needed to happen today, and so I'm glad that they're with us. Uh, in case some of you don't know, my father-in-law, Pastor Val, who is uh, a pastor before me here, uh, it's Haley's dad, he's going to be going and having a quadruple bypass tomorrow. Uh, and so uh, he Heather's in town today, and then her, her and uh, Haley are headed out uh, this afternoon to be with their family. And so uh, here in a moment when Pastor Fred comes, he's going to say a prayer uh, for my father-in-law and, and lead us as a church in that. And so, but I want to I wanna, uh, uh, set him up today. He's asked me to set his text up for him, and that is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And I'll be reading from the NIV translation, and it will be on, should be on the screen here as well behind me as we set up today's word. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, and all who are weary, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. With that, let's give a very warm welcome to Pastors Fred and Valerie Bennett. Appreciate you so much. God bless you, sir. Amen. Um, you know, Pastor Val Treese, uh, certainly many of you know him better th even than I do, but I do know something about his health history. He has been through a lot over the years. How, how many stints did you tell me? He's had 12 stints 
through the years to keep the, that heart circulation open. And it's finally reached a point now where the best thing for him is to have this bypass surgery. We were talking about the fact that my dad had that bypass surgery when he was 74, quadruple bypass. He's 94 now, still kicking. Sometimes I'd like to kick him. But, 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 you know, it's really, really amazing to see a new lease on life. So I want you to join with me and Valerie and Pastor Jeremy and Sister Haley as we agree together in the name of Jesus. Father, we just lift up our dear brother. Pastor Valtrees, to you this very morning, we thank you that you are Lord of all and you are certainly Lord of his life. We just agree together that as he goes, O oh Lord, uh, into this surgery, that Lord, there will be a good and lifelong outcome, that Lord, you'll not only uh, save save his life, but that, Lord God, you will also persevere in his life, that he may have length of days, that that anointing of the Holy Spirit on him will continue to be poured out into the lives of others and of so many churches. We bless him this day. We bless Sherry, Lord God, as they stand together and pray in faith. We bless our precious friends, Lord. Val, would you lay hands on Haley there? We bless our precious friends as they go tomorrow, Lord God, or whenever it is you're leaving, to be there with the family. And we thank you, Lord God, that this faith, this faith, oh Lord God, will help them not only see them through the crisis, but help them right into the glorious future that you have for them. And Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room that over the next 24 hours especially, this will be in, on our hearts, in our minds. We will be firing up little prayers, little moments of remembrance, O oh Lord God. You will hear us in faith responding to these dear friends, these great ministers of the gospel. And we just bless them right now. Health and length of days to the glory of Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Praise God. You know, if you'll just allow that, if we'll just rest in the Lord. You know, he's not asking us to, you know, be overwrought and hand-wringing and get all ginned up about all of this. He just wants us to rest in him. And if we'll listen for the Holy Spirit, He'll prompt you at different times during the day. And immediately, Pastor Val will come on your minds and on your hearts. And take advantage. Don't just push that away, but rather just stop and pray right then. Whatever you're doing, stop. You know, they say you shouldn't drive distracted. So if you're driving, pull off the side of the road, okay? And uh, put down your device and go ahead and pray to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Uh, precious, precious folks. And uh, I, I'm how, how old is Pastor Val? You think that's right? Okay. <laughs> See. Uh, okay. Do I hear seventy? <laughs> Sixty-nine. All right. Praise God. Well, you know, if my dad can live to ninety-four. 
Surely Pastor Val can to the glory of God. So let's just agree for that. Bless the Lord. Length of days in Jesus' name. Uh, well, it's wonderful to be with you this morning, New Life Church. Uh, you know, uh, last year, even before the time that you were talking about us being with you, I think it was back in March of last year, toward the end of that month, uh, we were here with you, and I ministered on representing the Holy Spirit to another generation. You know, every generation has to find Jesus for themselves. Uh, they very rarely want to take our word for it. So they want to take, they want to know, is he real? Is he authentic? Is this someone I can trust in my life? Is this someone I should be sold out to? And uh, the same is true of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I remember in my generation back in that day, we didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. That was just something you said at the end of a prayer made it sound really religious but anyway and so uh, we need to represent the Holy Spirit to every generation we really had a wonderful time that morning it was a true time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord and on the way back driving back to Memphis uh, we felt so refreshed matter of fact we felt so refreshed I looked at Val and said you know it's a little bit late in the afternoon but I feel like playing golf I'm feeling that good, you know, and I'm not worn out, I'm not weary, you know, I, I don't need to go take a nap or do anything like that. I'm really refreshed from the presence of the Lord and being here with you. You know what happened? We went out on the golf course and I shot the best round of golf that I have ever shot in my life. I amazed myself, okay? Uh, it, it was in, it was incredible. I'm talking about 10 to 12 shots better than I'd ever shot before. And after that nine holes, I woke up the next morning and first thought in my mind was, I wonder if I could do that again. So I went out and, sh and played the back nine the next morning. You know, I did the same thing again. And it was about at that time it sort of dawned on me, okay, this probably isn't about golf. This is something else the Lord's ministering to me. You know, when you're resting in the Lord, when you're being led by the Holy Spirit, when you're spending time in the presence of God and you're being refreshed and restored and, and all of this, it's amazing what God can do in and through us. Things that were once difficult, onerous, arduous, all those words that sound like work, those things, it's like they become easy. It, it's like becoming supernaturally natural. You do things beyond your own ability. And that's all to the glory of God. So I knew there was something else going on here. Golf, like most endeavors in life, has a rhythm. Do you know that? There's a rhythm to it. You can watch some golfers, usually me on my bad days, and you can tell he ain't got the rhythm today. He is not in the groove, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I know how to swing the club. Uh, I know how to get on the course with a bunch of other golfers. It's really interesting sometimes. You know, you got slow people in front of you, past, fast people behind you, and you're caught in the middle, you know, and everybody's pressuring each other, trying to keep your head on straight, and not get too serious about it all. Not lose your temper and get angry, but just stay, stay light, stay free, stay. See, this is the kind of life 
that the Lord wants for us. This is the abundant life that he was talking about. Not one that is frantic. Not one where we feel driven and pushed every time we try to do something. I mean, it's, it's not a hurry up life. But it's more of a slow down and walk with Jesus type of life. The, just as what Pastor was sharing there from Matthew 11. Uh, what was that? The NIV, I believe. And, uh, but I want to share it now from the message. Are you familiar with the message? Some of you know the message Bible, okay? Uh, the message. And let, let me just give you a little introduction before I read the scriptures. Uh, in the beginning of chapter 11, Jesus had been asked about the ministry of John the Baptist. And to give you the short form, Jesus had basically said, if you can receive it, he is Elijah that has come to this generation to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus himself. And then he continues and begins to speak some words of woe and judgment to those who would not receive John the Baptist. They would not hear his call to repentance and baptism. And then, Matthew 11, verse 25 from the message, abruptly, say abruptly, he's speaking judgment over those that don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And then abruptly, here's what he says. Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls. Good, we got the same one. From the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. I, I like that wording right there because back in my generation, there was also a paraphrase of the Bible. It wasn't the message. It was called the way. Any of you remember that? I, I carried a paperback copy of that. I was a, a, a young Christian. I had it rolled up and stuffed in my back pocket. At the time, I, I was running a service station and working in the garage, and mine was covered with grease and oil and gas. And uh, every chance I would get, I'd get that book out, and I'd read it. And for someone who'd never understood the King James Version of the Bible, it just sound, it fell on my ears like so religious. You know, why, why do they talk like that? And why do we have to read it like that? And now finally there was something that said it plainly. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. In every generation, we need to share the gospel, the plain, honest, unvarnished truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus resumed talking to the people. But now, tenderly, he says, The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor does the, uh, the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing 
to listen. Are you tired? Anybody tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Especially on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. You know, it sounds like you're almost expecting him to say, let's go take a nap. <laughs> but, but he doesn't. He said, I'll show you how to take a rest. I'm going to show you how to rest in everyday life. Okay? Because frankly, folks, you never get enough sleep. <laughs> Not today anyway. And, and so he says, uh, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And then this great phrase that Eugene Peterson, you know, Eugene Peterson who wrote this, he uh, went home to be with the Lord. It was a year or two ago, wasn't it? A couple of years ago. And I, I thought, well, what a contribution he made to the body of Christ. Maybe, maybe even if you don't like to read the message, this one phrase is worth the price of buying one, okay? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, having read through all that, having read through the NIV, how do we enter his rest? Well, again, walk with him, work with him, watch how he does it, and we can learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I, I love that part where he's speaking prophetically to the people who did not have eyes to see or ears to hear the truth, and then right, right in the middle of it all, he stops and starts praying to the Father. You see, it was seamless. It was like his garment. It was seamless. It wasn't this compartmentalizing that we often do in religion. We compartmentalize Sunday or maybe a Wednesday night or whatever. It wasn't that at all. It was living every day, every moment, every breath in the presence of the living God. Walking in his steps by the Spirit of God in the unforced, say that with me, unforced rhythms of grace. Wow, that is some powerful stuff. This is what rest is really about. This is what ministry is supposed to be about. This is what abundant life is supposed to be about. It's not about running around from one thing to another trying to have a checklist of things I've got to do to be righteous and holy and pleasing to God. All God's asking is, hey, spend some time with me. Walk with me. Work with me. And I'll show you some things. I'll show you what I'm doing and you can be a part of it. I'd rather be a part of something God's already doing than anything I made up of my own. Because all that is sure to fall, fall short of the glory of God. I won't, I, he said, I won't lay anything heavy on you. 
you know, that's the problem with religion, compartmentalizing things. Religion wants to force a lot of heavy stuff on you. But in a relationship with Jesus, it's not just Sunday to Sunday, but as I said, moment to moment, and even breath to breath, and he enables us to live freely and lightly. So what I want to talk about this morning is how do we grow in this relationship with Jesus in our spiritual life? Well, as we read, we walk with him, we work with him, we watch him, we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, you might say, well, that was great for them. It was in Jesus' day. They had Jesus. He was right there in front of them. But you know what? Most people didn't get it. They missed it. Practically the whole of the religious establishment did because everything they were about was ordered on works. And here it was, right before them, God's life being modeled for them in the flesh, the Word of God made flesh and being, I heard someone say recently, if you get confused by the Old Testament, read the footnotes. The footnotes are the New Testament. <laughs> get it? Foot notes. <laughs> How to walk it out in the rhythms of God's grace. It's not that we walk around with chains and burdens and demands and commands that we have to memorize and all these kinds of things. That's not it at all. There's a rhythm to life. There's a rhythm to swinging a golf club. There's a rhythm to everything that we do. And when we're not in that spiritual rhythm, guess what? Stuff gets hard. Things that were meant to be a blessing to us, they seem to be emptied of joy. And we begin to wonder, do I know the Lord at all? Today, we can still watch Jesus. We can watch the best Jesus that we can see in others who are walking in the rhythms of his grace. I'm convinced that many people have stunted spiritual lives because they've never been able to find their rhythm with the Lord. I remember growing up in church as a little boy, hearing all the things they taught us in Sunday school. We had all the latest things flannel graphs, <laughs> stuff like that to watch. We didn't have devices or anything like that. But everything that they could to teach us the things about Jesus. And yet when I would go to school, trying to walk that out, that was a good way to get beat up. I mean, you know, it, it was just miserable. And I remember a day, a day somewhere along the way, when I finally said, that stuff doesn't work. I can't do that. I'm going to get my brains beat out trying to do this kind of thing because the people around me don't understand what's going on. See, that's why we need a mentor. We need a, a model. We need somebody that's walking in the rhythms of God's grace so we can begin to get it. I mean, if you see somebody else do it, it's like, oh, well, I guess it can be done. I guess this is practical as well as inspirational and all to the glory of God. Now, correct belief is important, 
But that's not the rhythm of walking by the Spirit. We may have it in our head. We might even have the right beliefs in our heart. <laughs> but is it in our everyday walk? It's that walking it out that really shows we've entered into abundant living. You know, I, after 10 years of playing golf, if you wanted to learn how to play golf, I could teach you the rules. I could tell you where to go to buy the right equipment and what you need. I could send you to a certain golf course that I think would be good for a beginner. But you still couldn't play golf. Believe me, you, you've got to see somebody else do it first. Or it's just overwhelming. That's why our witness before the world, before one another, is so incredibly important. It's not about us. It's about Christ in us, the hope of glory. If every day we can just give somebody a glimpse of the glory of God, if we can show them that, yes, this is the rhythm. It, you know, people know rhythm when they see it, when they hear it. They certainly know when it's absent. It's like a clanging symbol. Is it said in Corinthians concerning, you know, the love of God? No, it's not that. It's something beautiful. It's something glorious. And when people can see that in the life of someone else, you know what they'll say? Oh, so that's what God looks like. That's what people need to see. They need to see us walking in the rhythms of God's grace. And folks, it's not impossible. If it were impossible, it wouldn't be in God's word because God cannot lie, all right? So I could teach you the rules of golf, buy you the equipment and send you to a golf course, but that doesn't mean you can play golf. I like to watch uh, the pros play on television, not because I'm ever going to play like that, but because they've got such a rhythm to everything that they do. I watched them hit shots, towering shots that actually land where they were looking. <laughs> My, mine don't always do that. I might hit a towering shot, but it could be in the water. It could be off in the trees. They say the trees are full of long ball hitters. But uh, it's not where I intended for it to go. And that's what frustrates so many people. They tried a little bit. And they've come to the conclusion it doesn't work. That's why we need to persist in this, in walking this out to the glory of God. One thing I've noticed about the pros that play golf is whoever, there's, I'm sure there's a tournament this week. Sunday's usually the final day of the tournament. This is when it's decided. And somebody's going to win the day. And if you watch them over the four days that they played, it was like, poetry in motion. They were in the rhythm. It was like they just couldn't do anything wrong. But next week, they can go out to another course and another tournament, and they're just also rams because everything has changed. They're not in the rhythm. What, what's the? We used to have a saying back in the day, you need to get in the groove. That's what we need to do in our spiritual life. We need to get into the groove of the Spirit and understand that there is a rhythm to walking with Jesus. 
Walking in the unforced rhythms of God's grace is vital to our spiritual life personally, but also to our witness. It's when others see us walking in his rhythm, in step with Jesus, that they're going to exclaim, oh, that's what God looks like. Mm, I'd love to hear somebody say that. Well, wouldn't it be great if that was the last thing somebody said about you? Oh, that's what God looks like. I've caught a glimpse of his glory. A robust, fruitful spiritual life is available to every one of us in this room through faith in Jesus Christ. A spiritual life is not about faking it or forcing it or seeing how weird I can be. That's got nothing to do with it. Not a thing to do with it. That's all of the flesh. For all who are in Christ are what? A new creation. Old things have passed away and now new things have come. A spiritual life is one that reveals Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's a life that is attuned and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said we always need to be in close relationship with him. Now, where did he say that? When he said, take my yoke upon you. You you know what a yoke is, right? I I mean, if we were talking about farm animals or something like that, we'd be talking about something around the neck, right? And you yoke them together. If you're yoked to Jesus, guess what? That's pretty close. That is a close relationship. That means you're walking together. And if you're trying to go off on your own and he's going another way, guess what? (laughs) You're going to be pulled in that direction. You're going to know that you're bucking against the will of God. You're going to understand that. That's why it's so close. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But what does a spiritual life look like in this world? I mean, this is now the 24-7 world that we live in. Everything's going on around the clock at all times. How do we walk in the rhythms of God's grace? I mean, everything from groceries to gas to the internet to the assault of the news is upon us 24 hours a day. And sometimes it seems that everything in the world and even in our daily lives is conspiring to knock us out of the rhythm of God's grace get us over into the flesh or whatever, into the ways of the world or whatever it may be. One way to find our spiritual rhythm is to learn from an ancient practice that goes back to the earliest days of the church. It was called a rule of life. A rule of life. It's the same thing as talking about the rhythms of God's grace. A rule of life for ourselves, for our families, and even for our communities. 
Christ the Rock Church that we pastored for 25 years and then turned over to our son, and he's been pastoring it for the last 10 years now, so 35 years. Now it's called Renewal Church, but it still has the same rule of life. Here's a rule of life. It comes right out of the Word. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. It starts with some words that sound a little intimidating. The end of all things is at hand. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> the end of all things is at hand. But let, let's talk about what are the all things. Well, we need to hear that all who are in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away and new things have come. New things are at hand and we need to take hold of them. Therefore, here's the rule for our community of faith called Renewal Church. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound mind and sober spirit. Some of you that have been in the church know this. For the purpose of prayer. Amen. Above all things Love one another fervently, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable without complaint. Oh, we're getting in the rhythm of it now. I like that. Okay, it does kind of have a little sing song. If you've said it as many times as we've all said it, you know there's a little rhythm to this thing, you know. And uh, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let those who speak, speak the oracles of God. Let those who serve, serve with the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. For 30 35 years now, 30 years, 35 years, 35 years now, that has been our rule, our rule of life as a congregation. Every time people join the church, we don't just ask them to stand in front of us and say those words, we all say it together because it's about being one in this thing. Just like you'd like to be one in your household. You'd like a, a rule of the house that everybody agreed to and were committed to walk in. Just like a husband and a wife. They need a rule of life so that they can truly develop a spiritual life with one another. So they don't become unequally yoked where one spiritual and the other is just kind of saying, okay, well, you do the spiritual part. I'm just going to hang out, Okay. I'm not going to worry about that kind of thing. That's not God's best. That's being out of step. That's out of sync. Amen? I mean, that, that's not being in rhythm with one another. That's why so many people have miserable marriages. They're not in sync. They're not in step. They're not in rhythm with one It's like you're playing two different songs. One, one's a song of praise and adoration and thanksgiving, and the other some song of the world. Or some commercial ditty that you heard on television. No, there's something better. And this is how the church has always done it. They've always had this rule of life. 
so that we can be constantly every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Even if I fell flat on my face yesterday, and that was the most unspiritual day of my existence, I can rise up the next morning. His mercies are new every morning. I can say, God, here I am. You know what a screw-up I am. But nevertheless, here I am again, and I'm standing on your word. This rule, this rule of life, because I want your spiritual life to be my life. That's what I want, Lord. This is what I'm interested in. What provides, though, the support and structure for us to grow spiritually? Ask yourselves this. Who or what is truly ruling over your life? Some of us would say automatically Jesus Christ. But are we in the rhythms of his grace? Because if we're not, there are areas of our lives where something else, maybe it's our job that takes precedent. Maybe it's our flesh. Maybe it's other people. Maybe it's traffic. (laughs) Whatever it may be, there are all kinds of things that can knock us out of our rhythm. But what provides the support for our spiritual life? A rule of life provides a a way for us to be more intentional about our lives and the ways that we allow the rhythms of God's grace to transform us. We can pray to become more Christ-like, but that doesn't always happen automatically or randomly. Thinking through our life patterns adds a layer of, of intentionality to our entire existence and helps fulfill the desire that's in our hearts to see our spiritual lives transformed. Would anybody like to see their spiritual life transformed? Some hands immediately went up. I mean, I mean, I I got mine up. Yeah, I know. I've been in ministry longer than I can remember. But nevertheless, I still want to see my spiritual life transformed. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Say being transformed. That never stops. Not on this side of glory. Are being transformed from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Transformation is our spiritual life, our spiritual life. Now, you may already have an informal life rhythm or rule of life, only you just haven't called it that. Patterns that you've developed in your spiritual life, some good, some bad. Val and I, we have our wake-up routine. I think we've shared that with you before. We've been doing this for years. It's been modified a little bit along the way. But, you know, basically, we get up in the morning. She's got the coffee pot ready. I just hit the button. (laughs) You know, coffee comes. We get our cup of coffee, and we immediately begin to pray together. We just rejoice in the Lord. We just give him thanks. We're praying together. our, Our goal is to become one because that's God's will for husbands and wives. Never stops to transform us and all the rest of it. And that routine has carried us. That's why we... We're coming up on 51 years this summer. See, it's walking in the rhythms, at least some of the time, okay? At least some of the time. 
Or maybe for you, rhythm has eluded you because you've become so busy that you really don't have the time to cultivate a spiritual life. Now, some of us might resist the idea of a rule as being too restrictive, but the intent is to create a guide that shapes our lives and allows us to thrive spiritually. So don't be put off by the word rule, okay? It comes from the Latin. It's a word, regula. It's not from the Latin word lex for law. It's from the Latin word regula for something that you do regularly. You repeat it. You've accepted it. It's become a part of the pattern and the fabric of your life. And it's something that you do together to the glory of God. Uh, Forgive me for talking about golf so much, but golfers, have you ever watched them? Before every shot, they do the exact same thing. They've got a routine. They're looking down. I used to wonder, what are they looking at? (laughs) And then when I started playing with the golf, I figured it out. They're looking at where they want to land the ball, okay? That's what they're looking at. They're looking at how they want to shape the shot to get it where they want it to be. And then you'll see them. They'll get the right club. They'll walk up to the ball. They address the ball. They're still looking down here every once in a while and so forth. And they've got this little routine. They repeat the exact same routine every time they're about to hit a golf ball. You know, we need that kind of regula in our lives so that we're not just freelancing it. Sometimes we're prepared, sometimes we're not, sometimes we're in the spirit, sometimes we're not, and all the rest of it. In our lives, this routine is sometimes described as a trellis. Everybody know what a trellis is? Trellis is something that you grow something like a vine on, like a trellis, a support for a plant such as a grapevine. What did Jesus say? I am the vine and you are the branches. Friends, that's another close relationship. If he's the vine and we're the branches, that's pretty close. That's kind of the same imagery as being yoked together, if you will. This is the spiritual life that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what time of day it may be, no matter how bad or how good a day it may be, I am always seeking to be close to Jesus. That's my main goal. That's my main thought. That's my daily routine. And if I can do that, I can begin to walk in the rhythms of His grace. You know, if this time of the year you see a trellis and there's nothing on it, what do you think? What's it there for? It's not about the trellis. It's about what's growing on it. The trellis is just a support. I mean, without a trellis, what's a grapevine going to do? Just grow along the ground. You're not going to get any grapes off of it. Varmints will, but you won't. That's what God's saying to us in this. We're to be tied to his trellis. Jesus is our vine. We are the branches. And we need some structure. We need some support for spiritual growth. Or we will drift into bad habits. You won't see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And that is not the rhythm of God. Renewal community groups. I I saw you have community life groups. Our, Our renewal 
uh, community groups that they have a trellis, they have a rule. It's Acts 2.42. What did the early church say? It's right there at the beginning of the beginnings of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's the pattern for all of our community groups. They all gather together around a table. They break bread together. We talk about what was preached on Sunday morning. We pray for one another. We have fellowship with one another. That's, that keeps it consistent, that same pattern over and over again. It's always different in the fruit that's being born, but it's always wonderful, and we praise God for that. A yoke, whether you call it a yoke, a trellis, a guidepost, whatever it is, it's supposed to be easy, <laughs> easy. Some folks want to have all these rules. I told you about the rules they have at our pool. We, we live in a condo now, and I looked on the back fence, and here were all these rules, and the thought that went through my head was, geez, Moses didn't bring that many rules down from Mount Sinai for all of Israel, and we got more rules than that just to get in the pool. Uh, it's crazy. That's not what the Christian life is about, and that's not what I'm advocating here this morning. Keep it simple. It's the simple life. It's the unencumbered life. This is the life where we can get in rhythm, in step with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Val and I have a, a personal trellis that we operate with uh, uh, right out of this very scripture. While we were over in Thailand, I think I shared that with you last year, the Lord gave us a word from Psalm 71, O Lord, when I am old and gray, do not forsake me so that I may proclaim your power to another generation. We come back home two months later. We're asked to go to a particular community group. And the exact words, their exact words were, we need somebody old and gray. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. We get to the group. They're all a bunch of millennials. I thought, wow, look at this. Here's God's word right here. So that's what we take as part of our trellis, if you will. And uh, then the Lord told us that this season of our lives, simplify, no overhead. Don't have anything over you other than God's heaven, God's word, and God himself. No overhead, no overhead. It's the simple life. And uh, then we came to 2 Corinthians 13, 11, and I love this one. And actually, you could take this one. I offer this to you this morning. Anyone could take this. This could be your rule of life right here. Listen to these words as I close. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. There's something to rejoice about every day, isn't there? There should be. That should be how we start. But then it says, aim for restoration. We've really taken that to heart this year. Last night we were at a uh, church reunion, the 40-year reunion of the church, Methodist church, where we were born again, filled with the Spirit, and sent into ministry 40 years ago. We had a reunion. With people I hadn't seen in 40 years. And it was amazing the connections of people on Facebook and the pictures and all the rest of it. It was amazing. But we've been seeing that happening all around us. People that we knew back at the first church we pastored. People that we knew back in the early days of Christ the Rock. 
We're seeing a restoration. Aim for restoration. And whatever you're aiming for, lean into it. Live into it. Be open to it. Be always looking for it. And you'd be amazed at how God will move. How many relationships have we had restored in the last two months? We can't even count them. People that we hadn't seen in years. But when the Holy Spirit prompts, we show up. And it's amazing what God does. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace with one another. And the God of love and peace, the God of love and peace will be with you. Let me give it to you again. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. That's out of the NIV or the ESV. This is a great rule of life. Put it on. It's a yoke. Get yourself up on the trellis. You know, in a way, the cross is a lot like a trellis, isn't it? The vine. What did Jesus say? If you would be my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross. Not his, yours. Yours. Get on the trellis. That's where you're going to be the most fruitful. If you find that your practice of Christianity exhausts you, drains you of energy, and leaves you feeling hopeless and condemned, everybody look. You're doing it wrong. You're taking something simple and making it complicated. You're taking something easy and you're making it hard. You're taking something relational and making it religious. You're doing it wrong. You're not going to get weary if you're walking in the rhythms of His grace. You're not going to burn out if you're walking in step with Jesus. This is how it works. This is why I'm so passionate about this this morning. You are practicing religion rather than enjoying a relationship with Jesus. Your walk with Him won't do all those things, make you tired, weary, and burned out. It will invigorate you, restore your strength, and revitalize your spiritual life. So, so what? Slow down. Get out of the hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. We're driving down I-40. What's the, what's the speed limits? 70? I'm going 75. People are blowing my doors off out there. And I'm like, what, 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 where are they going? That they need to be in this big of a hurry. Just, is everybody in an emergency? But you know, that's how some people live their lives. Everything's urgent. Everything's an emergency. Everything's a hurry. And hey, I'm sometimes guilty of that myself. We moved into the city, and God's really dealing with me about the traffic. <laughs> slow down. Slow down. Here's what Dallas Willard said. Ruthlessly, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Refocus. Be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> Be quiet. It's a nice way of saying shut up. <laughs> Listen. Be quiet. You can't hear God because you won't shut up. 
your prayer life is a monologue <laughs> of gripes and whining and complaints and this and orders and that you're placing with God. He's not Amazon. Come on. <laughs> what is the problem here? Here's what C.S. Lewis said about being quiet. He said, the first job every morning consists of shoving all of the voices back and in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. Isaiah 3.15, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Listen more. Nobody listens. Listen more. I can tell by their response to the next thing they say. They weren't listening. Listen more, talk less, and yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Hardly a morning goes by in our little morning rule of life that the Lord doesn't give us a name or a face come before us and we pray for that person. And now because we're aiming for restoration, I text them or give them a call. I texted Barbara Adams in our congregation said, hey guys, haven't seen you in some years, don't know what's going on, but your Sonny's face came up before me this morning and just wanted you to know we were praying for you like you were talking about. <laughs> Comes back this text, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe you've been praying for us. Sonny nearly died. He was in, he was in intensive care for eight days. They, they let him out and we still don't know what's wrong with him. Thank you for your prayers. They know all that. They know any of that. God wants to use you. If you and I can just learn to walk in the rhythms of his grace. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this after Easter group. Lord, I, I know there are some people that only come on Easter. Thank God they come that day. <laughs> Hallelujah. No condemnation. Uh, I, I thank you, Lord, that a lot of people are gone somewhere, whatever it may be. But I thank you for these. And I pray that together, in the power of the Holy Spirit, just walking out your word, living by your rule of life, that we, can see our spiritual life become more fruitful, more productive, more God-glorifying than ever before. With just these simple things, thank you, Lord, that you have hidden your wisdom and revelation from the sophisticated know-it-alls, especially the ones on 24-hour news. And thank you, Lord God, that you've revealed it to babes. People like us. People like, we're just regular folks here, Lord. We're regular folks. And your revelation comes richly and abundantly into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Get anything out of that? Amen. Take on that yoke.
what was it? 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Start with that. That's a place to start. You can modify it. You can change it for another season in your life. It's okay. The thing is, start somewhere. Let's walk in his rhythms in Jesus' name.